Fred Film Radio. Fred Film Radio, 24th edition of Trieste Film Festival. I am Federica Scarpa and today I'm with Nadia Parfan, director of uh, I Did Not Want to Make a War Film in the section Wild Roses, Women Filmmakers in Europe, focus on Ukraine. Thank you for being with us, Nadia. Good evening, everyone. So, first of all, uh, I ask you if uh, you can introduce your film to our listeners. Uh, I am Nadia Parfan. I'm a Kyiv-based, mostly documentary film director. I'm currently based in Kyiv, uh, and I'm Ukrainian. It so happened that when the war started, the full-scale, or the big war, as we call it in Ukraine, started in February one year ago, I wasn't in Ukraine. By accident, I was in the Middle East, which was uh, fortunate on the one hand, because I was safe. On the other hand, I made the decision to go back to Ukraine. And I made this decision when Kyiv and Kyiv region uh, was occupied by Russians. So it was believed to be very dangerous and not really safe and also not really rational. But I had to go home. And this is a film telling um, my story, my story of deciding to go home and returning home where the war has been taking place just recently. How the idea was born and specifically, above all, when you felt the need to tell uh, this piece of your reality, of reality in general? Uh, I'm very open about this in the very film and it's true that um, in the first weeks of the invasion just like many Ukrainians I was shocked depressed, frustrated like you feel the bottom of what one can feel emotionally and um, I also felt very lost like I didn't know what to do and that state um, was with me for exactly 21 days. Neuroscientists say that it takes 21 days to develop a habit that within three weeks a human can get used to basically anything. It's actually quite crazy how adaptive we are. Uh, so for these first weeks, three weeks, I was just like in a very bad condition. But then one night I realized that I can accept this, that this is now the reality and I'm starting to accept this. And shortly after, I just had a dream, a prophetic dream. And it, it wasn't like the dream was telling me what to do, but I, uh, I saw this road in my dream and I realized that uh, on the one hand, it's a road home. On the other hand, it's a road movie. And when I woke up, I immediately knew that it's a movie I have to make. And I don't know, I think dreaming and being in this semi-conscious state of mind is just where you get your your things done, like for all of the people, because we do not function like very rationally in our daytime and your subconsciousness just works when you dream and it gives you solutions to your dilemmas. Exactly. And then it was it was in March uh, to be precise it was sometime in mid March and uh, I started 
preparing for this travel because it wasn't so easy. I, I couldn't go immediately because the whole logistics was ruined. Like uh, I was supposed to go to Trieste Film Festival in person, but then I canceled the trip because the I would go for three days and the travel would take me three days. One year ago, I wasn't in Trieste last year. I would just take a direct flight to Kiev, Venice, and then take a two-hour train. And now it's like two almost two days of traveling and this time i just couldn't make it likewise i couldn't go back immediately from the middle east um first it was very expensive because all these direct flights to kiev they were canceled and the whole uh logistics and air business plane business of the region it collapsed so I had to make multiple transfers. And if I went immediately, it would be very expensive. I had to wait for some affordable ticket. And also the funny thing was I managed to, I didn't take anything with me. I just went for a short vacation. I had my laptop and my sandals. So I didn't have any camera, any sound. And I managed to travel my camera and some very, very basic equipment from Kiev to Lviv in Western Ukraine, from Lviv to Uzhgorod. It's like the border region to Hungary. Then somebody was going to Budapest. Somebody was going to Sharm el-Sheikh at Sinai and from Sharm el-Sheikh to Dahab, where I was based. So I traveled my equipment once I had it, I booked my ticket and then I started coming back through half of Europe. It was quite a travel. Wow. Was this the biggest challenge of your film or there were other challenges that you have to face? I got sick as I was coming back. <laughs> it's not such a big deal, but uh, I think because I wasn't dressed up properly because uh, I went when I went to Dahab, I took a taxi from my home in Kyiv to the airport and then straight to the Middle East where it was warm. So I didn't have any warm clothes and somebody borrowed me something, but I was uh, really high on adrenaline. I was really excited and euphoric and it really felt relieving to go back the closer to Ukrainian border. I went to Vienna, Czech Republic and Poland. And then as we approached the border, I was really, really excited. Then I traveled to my family in Western Ukraine. And meantime, as I was traveling, I was filming and also volunteering a little bit everywhere on my way, trying to be useful. And I just like forgot to look after my body. <laughs> and I got sick uh, in Ivana Frankivsk, where my grandma lives and some of my family. So I had to make a stop there for almost two weeks because I, I had caught some kind of flu. But it wasn't such a big deal. And overall, I think it wasn't too difficult making this film uh, and this film was a um, therapeutic thing for me and I allowed myself not to be so perfectionistic it's like a very punky not a fancy short film it's a very DIY one and then I allowed it to be that way so it wasn't too difficult in the end how did you shoot the film you told about the equipment uh, which equipment you used? Not so much of the phone. Honestly, it's more my like friends' footage. Uh, it was horrible. If I, uh, Federica, I'm telling you the truth. It was horrible because I'm like the film director and I didn't have lenses. And it was like in the middle of 
uh, you know, the war starts in Ukraine. Like, where do you, the rentals don't work. Everybody is uh, evacuating. What film are you talking about? So it was hard. I would normally go to the rental and rent a set of three lens, a 35, a 50 millimeter, and like some zoom um, bigger lens and have this set and have some blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't possible because obviously rentals were not working. So just somebody borrowed me a fixed 35 millimeter lens. And it's like the worst lens to be making a film. Uh, it's, uh, you would need something to be able to shoot yourself. You need the zoom lens. You want to alter the, closeness like the uh the you want it sometimes close sometimes wide and it's impossible with this lens it's impossible to control focus so it's like really difficult to shoot a film that's why i had to use a lot of uh, phone footage and extra footage and it was also difficult with the sound so i realized that it will be a voiceover film i won't use too much sync sounds i will just narrate it later and um yeah so uh, we had a lot of jokes with the editor who was helping me that um it was easy to select the footage because so much of it was just like technically bad <laughs> and but yeah as i said when you know when your country is being invaded the technical perfectionism is the last thing you care about and i also had this like calling that i have to tell my story and I, I will try to be as honest and as sincere as possible to make it universal through mm -hmm. telling my story. I want to tell the story of all people, my friends, my community. Watching your film, I was very fascinated by your narrative approach, let's say, and your desire to tell the stories of your friends, your families, and like show the resilience of, of life in the face of the horrors of war. I was thinking it's a bit like a, a tamarind, which uh, even under challenging conditions can find the courage to sprout again. It is because, you know, resilience, it's the word we didn't use so much as Ukrainians, but I think because of our history, we always were, and what is happening now, the extent of um, vitality, resilience, and just courage and force uh, that everyday people uh, mm. are into. It's not only our army, our soldiers, who, by the way, are women, artists, filmmakers, writers, journalists. We, we do have some kind of professional army, but... It wasn't prepared for the full-scale war, so everybody had to take weapons and learn to be a defender. So mm -hmm. it's like a citizen army, for real. Uh, and I'm, I'm not even mentioning those. I mean, everyday heroism of the people, of the doctors, of uh, paramedics, and people who are just dealing with the consequences of the invasion on a day-to-day -day level, is tremendous and I think we have a lot there are a lot of lessons that the world can learn from Ukrainians now but as uh, I also think I have quite a special community and family and I really appreciate these people and the war made me realize how connected I am and I think we are more 
how would I say, maybe in Italy people uh, also have more of a community life. But in some countries in the West, I feel like the people are more individualistic and mm. everybody depends on themselves, maybe like a very narrow circle of people. Whereas in Ukraine, we are just, as we joke, we are just one big chat. And especially now the level of networking, horizontal um, connections, it's tremendous. So it's really fascinating and it's something special and civilizational. But unfortunately, the news about Tamarind is that it's not doing so well. It's alive. I wouldn't be able to show it to you, but uh, it's not, it didn't uh, remain the same. And it was uh, injured. And I'm I'm uh, about to replant it because the spring is coming and supposedly you have to do this in spring and I hope that will help. But uh, yes, there are things that are very fragile. People are fragile. Some people are more fragile than some others. There are the elderly, the kids, mothers, people who have mobility issues, people who are just like not so capable of standing this mentally and physically. And some plants are also like that. So uh, tamarind is a symbol of beauty and fragility. And I think it's also important to have this fragility in our life and not to have to be resilient. Mm. You know, sometimes it's good to be fragile and I hope we can be fragile one day again. Not now. Unfortunately, we don't have a privilege of being fragile. We have to keep strong. But one day I want us to be tamarinds again. I hope it too. Thank you so much for for this interview, for your words, uh, which I think it's are very, very important. Thank you to Trieste for having my film. I really hope, you know, I made this film uh, with I, what I had in mind is uh, an attempt to explain the existential dimension and the everyday life of a person when their country is at war. Because uh, you probably read the news, you're all educated people and you watch TV and you can see what a shelling looks like, although it's striking, you can't get used to it. But there is also this, the war is omnipresent. It goes into the smallest details of your everyday life. And it's not just the frontline stories. It's the entire country uh, experiencing something extreme. And I wanted to communicate this to my foreign friends and colleagues. So I'm grateful to Trieste for this opportunity. And I hope everybody who watches the film will get to understand what it's like. And also maybe I can also announce that on January 25th, the f- it's the day after tomorrow, or I don't know when this is uh, playing. The mm-hmm. film is going to be released at The New Yorker. Oh. It will be available online globally, so anybody can watch it. Good to know, absolutely. Thank you very much, Nadia, for being with us at Fred Film Radio. Ciao, <laughs> thank you. Fred Film Radio, 24-7 on fred.fm and smartphone apps.